Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. All right, how's everybody doing today? I'm excited. Our teenagers had a great week at camp, and I appreciate all the the adults that went along with that, and uh, appreciate how God moved, and uh, for you entrusting us with your teenagers for a week. And I think we had 120 teenagers that went, so uh, we're excited about a great week there. Some of them were, several were saved, and um, I know God moved in their lives in a in an amazing way. And uh, that's a you know that's one of the neat parts about student ministries being able to go to camp and uh, get kids out of their environment, get them somewhere where they can hear from God. And uh, I know that God uh, heard our prayers, and I appreciate you praying and supporting that ministry. Um, today we're we're continuing our series called Flipside, and that's where we kind of look at two sides of things. And today we're going to look at strengths and weaknesses, and it's something that um, God's really shown me a lot through the years, and I've enjoyed even this week to study on it, um, that your, your area of weakness can end up being your greatest strength, and your greatest strength can also be a place of weakness and a, and a, a place where we can run across pitfalls. And so we're going to talk about those things, and most of the time, um, a lot of the times those come out, you know, the strengths that God's given us, the gifts that he's given us, um, and also sometimes our weaknesses come out when it comes to places where God is calling us into, whether it's to serve or to do things that we're uncomfortable with, do things that we want to do. And so we're going to look today about how God views um, strengths and weaknesses in ways that we can um, make our strength stronger and our, our weaknesses stronger too. So we're going to start in 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 29. And if you'd go ahead and stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, one of the, the, the amazing things is, you know, we look around a lot of times, and um, I can remember doing this at different times in life, but looking around thinking, man, that guy's got so much ability and so much talent. If God would just save him, then who knows what he could do for the kingdom. And the truth is, that's not how God looks at it. God, when he came down, when Jesus came down and, and was walking in the flesh on the earth and had the opportunity to choose 12 disciples that he was going to entrust the work of the kingdom with when he went back to heaven, he didn't come down and look around and find the people that had the most natural ability. He didn't go to the synagogues and find the best speakers. He didn't go to the, the places of education and find the most educated. He went down and called fishermen and laborers. And in one instance, he called a tax gatherer, which to us, well, well, that was a professional position. But that was one of the most hated professions in, in the entire world at that time, in the Roman world. Because a tax gatherer could come to you, and if the government said that you owed $10 in taxes, he could come to you and say, well, you owe $100. And he could take 
the ten and give it to Rome and keep the rest. And that's how he made a living. And so when they would list, you know, like the thieves, the murders, I mean, the worst people you could imagine, tax gatherers were in that list. And so that's not if you're trying to find people that others are going to be drawn to, that's not the guy you would pick. And yet God did not see people and say, oh, well, there's a guy with all this ability. He chose people with a heart that was willing to follow him. And he chose people that later on, you know what they said about Peter and and James and John when they were defending themselves? It says they were amazed because they were uneducated men. And when they spoke, it was obvious that the power of God was speaking through them. And so that's what God's looking for. And so I want to go through the story of a guy named Moses. And we're going to look at when he is approached about a job. You know, and that's the thing is sometimes when uh, myself or another staff member come up to people, hey, I want to talk to you about something, immediately people get a little tense because they're like, what does he want? What's he going to ask me to do? And usually it doesn't take long, you know, if, I'm, if I am coming to ask about something, they'll tell me the things they're really comfortable doing. Hey, I don't mind doing this. And then they always come to, but don't ask me to do that. And here's something you need to understand about pastors and staff members. The thing that you said, don't ask me to do that, that's immediately the thing I start thinking about asking you to do. All right? <laughs> here's why. is because that's consistently what God did through the Scripture. And it's in places of weakness where God shows himself to be the strongest. Now, some of you are like, well, I ain't never telling him nothing no more. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of kidding about that, but here's the deal is that that thing that you're thinking, man, I know I ought to do this, but I'm not comfortable doing that. That's a place of weakness when we're not comfortable doing something. If I come and ask you, hey, would you mind doing this? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'd do that. I'm comfortable doing that. That's a place of strength. And so God comes to Moses in the wilderness, and he's, he, he kind of approaches him in a flashy way. All right, there's, a, there's a, a, a bush that's burning. And as Moses is kind of out herding the sheep, he's like, man, that, I see that thing burning, which probably wasn't, you know, that, that could happen, lightning strikes or whatever. But he realized the, the bush wasn't being consumed. It's still all there, all the leaves and everything. So he does what most of us do. Well, I'm, I'm going to go check this out. What is this? I can at least be a good story. You know, at the end of the day, when I'm with all the other shepherds and we can talk about what I saw today. So he goes up there. And God begins to speak to him. And first he tells him, take your shoes off for you stand on holy ground. And then he tells him, I've been hearing my my children in Israel. He said, and here's the deal. I want you to go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses immediately does what most of us do. He starts making excuses. But Moses protests to God, well, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? And that's one of our first excuses. Well, who am I to do that? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. Now, I don't know about you, but if I had the burning bush thing and God came up and told me to do something and I said one time, hey, I don't, who am I? I don't know. But Moses is persistent. And he keeps at it. Next he says, but Moses protested. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors 
has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? Because, you know, at this point, God had never, there wasn't a name for God. Okay, he was just the God. And he didn't, he wasn't identified. If you were in Egypt, you know, they had all kinds of names for gods and names for all of them. But the God of Israel didn't have a name. And so Moses says, what am I, who am I supposed to tell him sent me? And so God answers him, says, God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Now, you know what he's telling him? You can't define me by a word. You can't define me by a name. Now, as the years pass, God, we have many names for God that describe parts of his character. But at that time, they had none. And this name, I am who I am, is the beginning of the word, it's the root of the word is Yahweh, which is also Jehovah, which later on is, is another, um, Joshua is a form of it, and Jesus is a form of it. So we see that name defines a lot of God's work throughout the ages. So, okay, now I got a name, even though, you know, I'm just supposed to say I am that I am, but hey, it's a name, it's something. And so you'd think, well, maybe that's enough. But Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? Well, what if they say the Lord never appeared to you? And God said, well, I'm going to give you some signs. I'm going to take care of that. I just want you to do what I've told you to do. Now, at this point, before we get to the next one, you ever ask somebody something, and they start out giving you some excuses, and you're like, that doesn't really sound legit, but then they finally get, and you get to, okay, there's the real reason they don't want to do that. Y'all, y'all, any of y'all ever do that? Maybe y'all do it too. Is you start, well, you come up with some reason why you don't, you don't really want to tell them why you don't want to do it, but eventually, sometimes you have to. So now Moses, but Moses pleaded with the Lord, and now we're getting to the real deal here. Oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been. And I'm not now, even though you've spoken to me. I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. So now he's coming out with it. God, I, I don't mind doing some stuff. Just don't make me do that. That's the one thing I don't want to do because I don't want to get up in front of people and talk. Don't make me get up in front of them and talk. Then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. See, God says, you don't worry about your mouth or your words. I'll take care of that. But here's the thing about Moses. Here's where you see his strength also being a weakness. Moses had an iron will. And you see that over and over again as he's dealing with the Israelites. Because they, they flip-flopped and were the wishy-washiest group of people you could ever put together. But Moses never faltered. He had an iron will. And that was a strength. That was something that helped him later on. But right now, it becomes a weakness. Because you'd think after all that, that Moses would go, okay, God, but guess what? But Moses again pleaded. He's still arguing. Lord, please send anyone else but me. So now at this point, God gets mad. And he tells him, nope, you're going. I'll send you Aaron, but you're going. 
And so finally, Moses agrees to go. Now, here's the thing. Most of us, when we get called or we, we feel, you feel an urging. You know, now maybe it's, you know what, I need to, I need to that person needs somebody to share Jesus with them. And you hear that little, it, go, go do it. Oh no, who am I to do that? I'm not comfortable doing that. You know, we make a lot of excuses for why we don't do the things that God calls us to do. Sometimes it's just, well, you know, I'm just, I, I, who am I to go tell people? I mean, I'm just a sinner too. I ain't no better than anybody else. Right, of course you're not. But God's urging you to go tell them. Maybe he's urging you to go serve in a way that you're not comfortable serving. Maybe he's urging you to go confront someone about something that's destructive in their life. And we come up with all those excuses. Why? Because we're not comfortable doing it. And then the last one is we'll just go, well, that's, that's just not me. That's just not me. I'm not a speaker, God. That's just not me. But you know what God says? I don't care. Go anyway. And that's when you start to see. Here's one thing. There's, there's two things I'm going to tell you today that I really want you to hear. Here's the first one. Weakness that leans into faith becomes strength. Just because you're uncomfortable with it, just because you don't feel like you're on top of it, and that's a lot of times, well, I, just, I don't know, it's unknown to me. And that was part of the deal with Moses. How are they going to react? How are they going to see this? What's going to be the result? We don't have to worry about those things. That's what God's telling him over and over again. Forget about how Pharaoh's going to respond. Forget about how the children of Israel are going to respond. Forget about how that person you, I want you to go talk to is going to respond. Well, God, what if they don't receive it? What if they say no? That's not our problem. Our only job is to be obedient. And when we choose in a place of weakness, that place we're uncomfortable, to lean into faith, it becomes strength. Paul's talking about that in 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. He has what he considers a weakness. He calls it a thorn in the flesh. And you know what? People have been speculating for hundreds of years, thousands even, about what that thorn in the flesh was. And the Bible doesn't tell us. And one of the good parts about that is we can relate that because we've all got some place of weakness. We've all got some place where we thought, man, if I could... If that were fixed, I could go do something. And here's this thing. Three times I begged the Lord to take it away or take this weakness away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. Listen to this. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ, for when I am weak, then I am strong. You know what God told him? He said, I don't care. He said, you can be weak. But when you lean into that and you're obedient, even when you're uncomfortable, even when it's not your strength, even when it's not something you feel like you have the ability to do, that's when you really become strong. Because God becomes strong in you when you lean in faith into it. But here's what it takes. It's not going to all of a sudden feel comfortable just because you decide to be obedient. 
It can still feel really uncomfortable. But God calls us to do it anyway. The question is not whether you feel comfortable doing it or not. The question is not whether you feel like you ought to be the one doing it. The question is, is God calling you into it? And most of us, we could probably go through and name something that God's called us to do. Maybe it was in a moment. Maybe it was something over the long haul that we don't feel comfortable with. And we've made excuses not to lean into that. You know, here's what we're missing. You don't get the chance to see God do amazing things. You don't get to be a part of that. You know what the best, here's the best thing in life. Now, being saved is the best thing that can happen to you. But as a Christian, the best thing that, can, that is in life is this. It is being obedient to God and seeing God do things that you know and everybody else knows are beyond your own abilities and that it had to have been God that did it. That's the best thing in life. It really is. And too many believers never get to see that or experience it. They think it's just stuff that happens to other people or people in the Bible or, you know, super Christians. And the reason they don't get to experience it themselves is because they're never willing to be obedient into a place of being uncomfortable and leaning in faith while they do it. Because that's where, let me read that to you again, when I am weak, then I am strong. And they never get a chance to see it because they've made an excuse not to lean into it and not to be uncomfortable. And you know what? Nobody likes to be uncomfortable. There are situations that make me very uncomfortable. There are things that, that I, I don't feel comfortable doing even to this day. And yet I've seen God do things when I'm obedient, and I bet you have too. We got to learn how to be obedient, whether it's something we feel like we can do or not, because that's the whole point of this, is that God chooses those, oftentimes, that aren't comfortable, that don't have that strength, to show his power. Isaiah 40, 29-31, he gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. And sorry, I'm reverting to the one that I memorized and not the one that's up there. I get it. You know what? That was one of, that was one of my favorite verses growing up. And you know, that was, that was the thing that we're missing today is I'm afraid that we're, we're teaching young people to go find something easy to do and that they're comfortable with instead of teaching them to be obedient to the call of God. Because when you're obedient to the call of God, sometimes you've got to lean back on those kind of verses. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. But what is the key verse? Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. You see, we've, we've you know what one of the greatest fellows will find a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life? No. Because I got a job that I love because 
I follow God's calling, but I'm telling you, there's some days it's pure work. And there's some days I don't want to do it. Let me tell you what the key of life is. Find the God that loved you enough to send His Son to die on the cross for you and follow Him and do whatever He tells you to do. And you will find blessings and joys beyond belief. Yeah, there's going to be tough times too, but it will all be worth it. It's follow Jesus. Be obedient to Him. You know, there's a hall of faith, hall of fame of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And it talks about a lot of people that we know. You know, Abraham and Isaac and, and, and Moses and, and Gideon and all these different names. And one of the places I love that's a summary is in 11, 33, and 34. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Man, doesn't that, that sounds all That's not like an adventure of life, isn't it? Who doesn't want to be a part of that? And you're like, but man, i got to be like Raiders of the Lost Ark dude to do that, right? Well, here's what it says about it. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole, ar whole armies to flight. Now, I want you to catch that last part. When did they become strong? In battle. They didn't get strong to the point where they go, all right, I can handle this. When they went in, they were scared. They were worried. They became strong in battle. Weakness was turned into strength because they were obedient to what God called them to do. Weakness that leans into faith becomes strength. Now, I also want to tell you, this is, not, this is not a, hey, choose weakness over strength, all right? God gave you strength on purpose. It says in Ephesians 4, 5 through 8, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, he has given each of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave strength, gifts to his people. Is you've been given a strength too. For some people, it's the gift of mercy. That's not mine. It doesn't come to me naturally. There's some people that God's given the, the, the ability to be strong or to be a good leader or to be able to do this. And, and maybe your, your strength is, is doing that. Or maybe it's serving other people. Maybe you have a heart of hospitality that you're able to, to, to tell what makes people comfortable and do the things that make them feel comfortable. Maybe it's, it's just serving behind the scenes and doing things people, other people don't want to do. And that's what you love doing. That's your strength. And all those are awesome. And they're meant to, God gave those to you to be used for other people and for the kingdom of God. You know, there's people who have the natural gift of evangelism. You know, Ronnie, my He's our staff evangelist. He's over here today. Wave your hand, Ronnie. He has a gift of evangelism. I mean, he, every situation he sees is an opportunity to talk to somebody about Jesus. And I, I, I admire that and I love that. And I try to be more like that. But that doesn't just come to me naturally. Some people it does. 
And then there's other people that, man, they're, they're constantly seeing a need or seeing somebody that's hurting. They recognize that and they're, they're reaching out to them and offering comfort. And that's their gift. And all those things are good things. There's people that, you know, maybe God's given them the gift of making money and they're generous with their money. They give to other people or faithful to the church. And that can be a good thing. And maybe their gifts administration or whatever it is. There are all kinds of gifts that God has given us and we're called to use those for his kingdom. But here's one of the things that we've got to be careful about is over and over again, those places of strength can also become a place of weakness. Strength that does not rely on faith becomes weakness. And a lot of times it's harder to rely on faith in our strength than it is in our weakness. I mean, when it's something that we're not comfortable with, that we don't feel like we know what we're doing, that we don't feel like we're gifted at, man, we're all about relying on God, aren't we? But a lot of times those places of strength, we start thinking, ah, I can handle this. I'm good. We get comfortable. And sometimes when we get comfortable, we either forget to ask God or we don't rely on his words. You know, Moses later on went out, was in the wilderness. And at one point, the children of Israel were like, we're dying of thirst, we're dying of thirst. And so God told Moses, he said, I want you to go up and strike the rock with the, with the staff. And he did, and water flowed out to everybody. And then later on, they're thirsty again, farther on down the road, and they come back to him. And they're yelling, hey, man, you let us die. And he's like, dude, we done, we've been here. And God says, speak to the rock. But you know what? Moses was comfortable doing it this time. Last time he knew how it worked. And so he was mad too. And so you know what he did? He went up and he struck the rock again when God told him to speak to it. And the water came out. But guess what? Moses didn't get to go in the promised land. See, he got, he got past that point of feeling weak and relying on God. And he thought, I know how to do this. I've done this before. And he didn't listen to what God told him to do, and it cost him the ability to go into the promised land. And he's, it's a warning to us that, hey, even when we've done something, we need to continue to ask God. We need to continue to rely on faith because it gets easy. We start feeling really comfortable. We start feeling like we can do it, and we forget where our strength came from. You see, those gifts you have, those are from God. And we start thinking they're ours. We start thinking, man, the ability to make all that much for me. We start thinking the ability to be successful, the ability to do this, that's, my, that's what I do. And we forget it comes from God, and it can become a place of temptation and weakness. 1 Corinthians 10, 12, if you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. Through the years, I've seen a lot of people in ministry, I've seen a lot of people in life that had a lot of ability, and yet that ability eventually became a snare. You know, at first they'd have some success. Oh man, God, look what God's done, and God's granted me this. And then later on it became, I did this, I did that. And then boom, it became a, a snare. And it became a place of weakness 
and it became a place of great failure. If you're standing, you think you're standing strong, be careful. Be careful. What is the difference? It's pride. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. You see, when we start thinking I instead of God, we're exalting ourselves. And you know what the Scripture tells us? We're going to get humble. You know, when the children of Israel later on, when Joshua was leading them, they were facing Jericho. It was the, the strongest fortress in the world. And they did, they did everything God told them to do, and they were very careful about it. And when they went up there, the walls came down, and they were victorious. They followed God's instructions to the T. He told them, march around the city. He, he told them, gave them their battle plan. And they did the battle plan exactly like God told them. And they didn't rely. It wouldn't, it wouldn't have been a, a, a man's wisdom kind of thing to do it that way. For seven days, they marched around shouting to the Lord once a day. And then on the last day, God brought the walls down. Now, nobody, no military strategist in their right mind would have said the way to beat this is to march around it for seven days and then yell real loud. Nobody. They didn't rely on their own wisdom for that. But further down the road, there's a group of people that's inside and they've heard what's happened to Jericho and God told them to clear out everybody in there. And so they said, man, we need to make a treaty with these folks. If they're not supposed to make treaties, Everybody knew with the people that are in the land. See, that was the deal. God made it clear. Everybody knew what was going on. The people that were in the land knew the Israelites were there to clean them out, clean them out drive them all the way out of the land. And so they said, man, we need to make a treaty. And so they said, well, we got to make them think we're somewhere far away. And so they went and got their, their sorriest one foot in the, in the dog food can horses some of y'all will get that. Some probably shouldn't, but anyway. Like, near death. You know, skin and bones, like they've traveled thousands of miles. Get your rattiest clothes out. Get some water skins that, are, that look like they've come a long way. And they all went up to them, oh, we've come such a long way. And then they started flattering, but you guys are so powerful. Y'all are awesome. We just want to be your servants. And you know what? The Israelites, they said, well, you know what? We're pretty smart guys. We beat Jericho. I mean, listen to all they're telling us about how great we are. And so you know what they decided? They decided to rely on their own ability and their own reason and what they could see. And they made a treaty with them. And then come to find out they'd been deceived. And you want to know why it says in the Bible? Because they did not seek the Lord's counsel. They didn't think they needed to. They thought, we got this. And that's the danger. In some of the areas in our life where there are strengths, is we, we get to thinking, I got this. I know what I'm doing. And we don't take the time to ask God. And it can become a place of stumbling. The second part of that story is even in our failures. You know, that, that little nation went back and the men of Israel were like, man, we got to keep our word. We made a treaty with them. And the other nations, the other, the other, some of the others got mad because they went and made a treaty with them. And so they went and attacked this little, 
this little city. And they sent out for Israel and said, hey, we're being attacked. If you don't come help us, we're all going to die. And so Joshua had a choice, and the men of Israel had a choice. But this time they sought the Lord, and God told them to go up. And so here's the deal. They could have just like, okay, we'll be there. It was like a day's march. Could have taken their time. Ah, let's get some fishing in first. Let's do this. And maybe just hope that their mistake could get wiped out. But here's the deal. They didn't rely on their own reasoning this time. They asked God. And God told them to go and they went. And they went hard and they went fast. And by the time they got there, they defeated the nations. But they were so exhausted from marching all night that they were getting away. But you know what the Bible says? That God started throwing down artillery from heaven and taking out the enemy. And the Bible says that he took out more than the Israelites took out. You see, that was the thing, was that they recognized now, they had enough army to beat that group, but they decided to ask God's wisdom, and God intervened, and God fought for them. And so that's the thing, even if you've gotten to that place where your strength has become a place of weakness and stumbling, Turn it back over to him now. And say, God, what do you want me to do now? You see, that's, that's part of our problem is when we blow it, when we make a mistake, is we want, we want to try to fix it ourselves. Or we want to hide it. Or we want it to go away. When what we need to do is, okay, God, what, what's the right thing to do now? What's the right thing to do now? You know, there was a time, I remember my dad having this speech with me when I was a teenager. He said, son, I, I know there's, we all got to make choices. And there's temptations all over the world. But he said, he, here's something he told me, and I never forgot this as a kid. He said, but I'm telling you right now, you know what right is and you know what wrong is. But if you were to mess up and get a girl pregnant, ain't no college you're going to quit and get a job and, and man up. You see, that was the deal because you didn't just get to ignore a decision. And see, that's one of the things you hear now is, well, when you hear about this argument for abortion is, it's like there's no decisions that came before it. And it's all about, well, just eliminate the result of the decision instead of doing the next right thing. And that's where our society's broken down. Men, raise your sons and you tell them. Everybody makes mistakes. I don't want you to make this one, but if you do, you're going to deal, you're going to man up and take responsibility for it. We're not going to hide it, and we're not going to try to get it away, put it away, and we're not going to allow you to go on through life without facing the consequences of your actions. You man up and you do the right thing. And you know what? I know families that have started that way. And I can point out some people that are serving God and are following Him that started that way. All because somebody said, hey, the next decision you make is going to be the right one. And they chose to do the next right thing. And guess what? God honored it and blessed it. We got to learn. 
Lean into faith. Even in your place of strength. Lean into faith. Even when you've made a mistake. Even when you've blown it. Don't try to erase the consequences. Face up to them and do the next right thing. That's what following Jesus is about. It's not saying as believers everybody's going to be perfect. We're not. We're going to make mistakes. But when you make a mistake, you don't try to get rid of the evidence. You own up to it. And you do the next right thing. And that's how you see God do things in your life that you didn't think were possible. You know, in Proverbs, I'm, this, this passage is kind of about money, but I want to show you how it applies to a lot of things. In Proverbs 37 through 9, Oh God, I beg two favors from you. Let me have them before I die. First, help me never to tell a lie. Being honest and being truthful is one of the, the most important parts in life. You blow it, you own it. You own up to it. You take responsibility for it, and you move on. That's what we do. You don't sit around and dwell in it. You ask forgiveness, you take responsibility, and you move on in life. Second, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I go rip, grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? And if I'm too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. You know what he's saying? God, put me in that sweet spot. Don't give me so much in life that I forget who you are that I forget who, where it came from. That's true about your strengths, your weaknesses, your material things. You know what? Most of us, if I said, hey, you know what? There's, there's scary times financially ahead. If I said, how much money would you need to not worry about it anymore? Let me give you a little secret. You've all got enough money to not worry about it anymore. You want to know why? Because God's the one who's in control of your future. He gave you what you got now. He'll give you what you need down the road. But when we start relying on what we can see and what we think we have and what our abilities are, what our strengths are, how much money we got in the bank, guess what? We forget about God. And you can't have enough money in the bank to be able to handle everything on your own. You know what Jesus said about the, the rich man that did that? He told a parable about a guy. He had all kinds of money stacked up. And God said, you fool. This very night, your life's going to be demanded of you. He said, you thought that was going to take care of things? It's not. He, he forgot to acknowledge God. And see, that's the deal when it comes to strengths and weaknesses. Honor God in your strengths and honor God in your weaknesses. Be obedient. Remember where your strengths came from. And remember where power really comes from. You can remember that when you're being asked to do something that you're uncomfortable doing, that God's calling you into. And also remember it when you are comfortable and you're tempted not to think about God is remember where that came from. Man, we have an amazing God. You know, one of the amazing parts about the life of Moses is that, that he didn't feel called to lead, but now we, can, we look back and his life is a towering testimony to the power of God. And because of that, it should give all of us hope. You know, Moses wasn't some superman. 
Moses was apparently a stutterer who couldn't hardly get a sentence out. And yet God used him. And some of the most important words we have recorded in Scripture are words that God spoke through Moses. That's how God works. He takes a guy who who doesn't want to talk in front of anybody, who can't put coherent thoughts in front of folks. Whenever he gets up in front of people, he's like, he doesn't know what to say. He took that guy and spoke some of the most important truths about God through him. Because that's what God does. God's not looking around and you're thinking, well, you know, those people, they got more than I do. That guy's got more. That's not what God's looking for. He's just looking for obedience. And somebody's willing to, to lean into faith and rely on faith, even when we're called to do things we're uncomfortable doing. Man, God's good, and He loves you. And, and following Him is that journey of adventure. Because God wants to show you things in your life and through your life that can only be explained by His presence by His power, by His hand. But you got to be willing to be obedient and lean into it. So here's my question for you. What's something that you feel like God's called or told you to do at some point, and you're like, no, I'm just not comfortable doing that? Maybe you don't know the answer. That's okay. Ask God. God, what, what is it you want me to do? I would not pray, God, make me as uncomfortable as I possibly could be. I'm not saying pray that. All right? I'm just saying, God, what do you want me to do? No matter whether I'm comfortable doing it or not, what do you want me to do? Just ask. And some of you already know what that is. Be willing to lean into it. And some of you, what is it that that's your area of strength that you've maybe forgotten to seek God's counsel? You've forgotten to acknowledge where that came from. You've started thinking that, I, that you did that. If you're not sure, ask God about that one too, and he'll show you. Say, God, where is it? David prayed, Lord, don't let presumptuous sins rule over me. In other words, sins that I don't even know about. Don't let pride that I don't even recognize rule over me. Show me. Another place he said, search me, Lord, and see if there's anything in me that doesn't please you. Show me. Either way, We've got to lean into faith. And it begins with a relationship with Jesus. And if you don't have a relationship with him, we would love to give you an opportunity to know him. And it's a simple thing. There's three different things. Number one, we're all sinners. I've sinned, you've sinned. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us are going to earn our way into heaven by being good enough, because we're not. But the good news is, that God sent His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him would not perish, but have eternal life. And His name is Jesus. He was born of a virgin. He was God in the flesh. He experienced every temptation that we do, yet without sin. He lived a perfect life, and He died on the cross so that we could be forgiven of our sins. Now here's something that you have to know. Every sin that's committed on this earth will be fully paid for. Period. Every sin you've ever committed 
will be fully paid for. The difference is, those who have faith in Christ and a relationship with Him, your sins were paid in full by Jesus. Those who do not will stand before God and will answer and pay for all their sins by spending an eternity in hell. The choice is, listen, the bill, your bill was paid. But you have to trust Christ. That's how, it, no man comes to the Father except by me. It comes through relationship with Jesus. He died on the cross for your sins. But you have to accept that. You have to trust Him. And then the last thing, Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So it's, it's a choice that we each have. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, I would love to lead you in a prayer of salvation. It's simple. You can repeat it after me, or you can pray it in your own words. But if you'd like to know, number one, that your sins are forgiven, number two, that you have peace with God, that you're right with him, and number three, that that's going to last for all of eternity. That you're going to spend eternity with Him in a place that He's prepared for those who love Him and are called by His name. That's heaven. If that's you and you'd like to know those things and you don't right now, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. So I'm going to ask that everyone to bow your heads, close your eyes. If that's you that I was just talking about, you pray this with me right now. Dear God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for Jesus. God, I know I'm a sinner. Lord, forgive me of my sins. I believe Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins. And I believe he rose on the third day according to Scripture. So forgive me. As today, I trust Jesus as my Savior, and I confess Him as my Lord. Now, if you prayed that prayer today, I don't want anybody looking around, but if you prayed that, here's all I'm going to ask you to do. You don't have to stand up and say anything in front of everybody. I just want you to look up at me right now. If you prayed that prayer today, look up and keep looking until I see you. here's what I want to encourage you to do. If you prayed that prayer today or you've prayed it sometime recently and you haven't talked to anybody, I want to encourage you to talk to someone. John, our youth pastor, is going to be standing here at the front in a moment. He's going to dismiss us in prayer at the end of the service. You can come talk to him and he'll find somebody to talk to you today or we can set up a time to do it later. Or if you don't have time even to do that or you'd rather not, there's a number on the screen that you can text, I did it to that number. Just text, I did it to that number. And someone will get back with you and set up a time to talk to you, whether it's on the phone or in person. If you're interested in church membership, you can just type membership to that number and text it. And we'd love to talk to you. We'd love to take some time and answer any questions and share with you about our church. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your love and your mercy. We thank you for your son, Jesus. Father, I thank you for those that have come to saving faith in Jesus today. Father, thank you for the strengths that you've given us and thank you for the weaknesses. Father, help us to lean into both with faith 
and see your hand and your power and your strength move in our lives and bless others. Father, we pray all these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.